0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston.
1: Biggest complaint against the church, right? I don't go to church because people are nothing but hypocrites. Well, yeah, we are guilty. At times, guilty. Yeah, for sure. So was Peter. So was Peter. Does it make it right? No, not at all and if if that's an element of my life then I should repent of that because it's sin. And Peter, and he we we know he this would be addressed later on, he would repent of this for sure. But Paul's like he's going to call him out on it.
0: In today's message, Pastor James will address one of the biggest complaints about the church, hypocrisy. The Bible tells us that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And while accepting Jesus wipes away those sins, it doesn't mean that we don't ever make mistakes again. It means that we can ask for forgiveness when we mess up and expect mercy and grace. What other people may view as hypocrisy is just humanity peeking its way through. We need Jesus every day to be the best representation. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Broken, broken. Righteous,
1: that's my boy, that's my girl, that's how he sees us. No partiality, no partiality. That's uh, definitely a lesson the church could learn, right? If we're honest, the church could definitely learn that lesson. We, sometimes we are guilty of showing partiality. Uh, and I'm not just talking about our church. I'm sure at times we have been guilty of that. We're not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not gonna find one. Um, we wanna combat against this at, at, all, you know, at all costs. We, will, we don't wanna show anybody preferential treatment, okay? Nobody's gonna get like a special seat in the sanctuary when we can open it back up, you know? That, that nobody gets their own pew in this church. That doesn't happen. You know that, right? Like there's nobody that, that, that doesn't fly. You walk in through these doors, you're treated just like everybody else, just like everybody else. Um, and that means that we love you and that we care about you. So just like we love anybody that walks in these doors, I don't care who they are, no partiality. He goes on to say, to, to finish up that, that phrase there, he says, those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me, right? There you go again, these important people. He's like, I didn't really get anything from them. Um, I don't know, they dress like they're important, they walked around like they were important. They seemed to think they were really important, but they didn't add anything to my life. So go figure, right? He goes on to say, uh, on the contrary, I'm, I'm in the ESV now. I, I had to jump over there to there, but uh, he says, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrust, entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, so the uncircumcised being the Gentiles, the circumcised being the Jews, okay, he says, they, they saw that I was entrusted to bring the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. Peter was entrusted to bring the gospel to the Jews. Um, he says, verse eight, for, for he, the Holy Spirit, who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, also worked through uh, me for mine to the Gentiles. So the, he's saying that the church leaders recognize that Paul was called to the Gentiles, And that the same Holy Spirit that was working through Peter, if you guys remember back in Acts, Acts chapter two, when Peter stood up and he proclaimed this great gospel message and thousands of people got saved, they were Jews who were getting saved. They understood that uh, the same spirit who was working through Peter was now working through Paul to the Gentiles. And how are you going to fight against that? What are you going to say about that? You can't say anything about that. You can't deny it. And that's the thing is Paul comes back, um, you know, and he's he's sharing with not only first missionary journey kind of stuff, but even when he was serving up in, you know, where he was where he was out after after uh, the road to Damascus experience, he was still sharing the gospel up there. And he's reporting back, he's like, "I'm sharing the gospel and these Gentiles are getting saved. The Holy Spirit is falling on these Gentiles." Peter himself could testify of that because he was in the house of Cornelius when the Holy Spirit fell on those guys. There's no denying it. And the leaders of the church, they didn't deny it. They actually recognized it. It goes on to say, verse nine, in fact, James, Peter, and John, or James, yours may say Cephas, that was the other name for Peter. James and Peter and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their, co-workers or co-laborers right so we're we're all on the same team we all have the same message and the same message is this jesus came lived a sinless life died on the cross for your sins rose from the grave three days later and whoever wants to be saved all you got to do is just place your faith your trust in him that's it like that's the gospel message Peter was sharing that, James was sharing that, John was sharing that, Philip was sharing that. I mean, all these guys were sharing the same message. Paul, Barnabas, Titus, they're all sharing the same message. They're all on the same team. Says they encourage us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continue the work with the Jews. Their only suggestion suggestion was that we keep helping the poor, which we've always been eager to do. Which Paul says, which I was I was eager to do that. I was gonna we're gonna keep helping the poor, and that, that's the only like restriction. Now there's gonna come some other things when we jump back into the book of Acts. In Acts 15, where they say, "Listen, um, so if you're going to, you know, share the gospel with Gentiles, uh, we, we don't want to add anything to these guys. Uh, however, you know, we should probably keep tell them, you know, let's, um, you know, there are a few dietary kind of things that they should avoid and all that stuff, right? But as far as Paul and Barnabas in their mission in proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles, they said, "Listen, just do that, but let's keep taking care of the poor." So that's what they were going to do. Um, that is a responsibility that the church should be eager to embrace as well. Taking care of the poor. Now, that define what poor is, right? I mean, what's poor? What does that mean? Who is poor? Um, in America, the wealthiest nation on this planet, who is real, Who is poor? And is every person on a street corner with the sign, are they really poor? Do we, are we really supposed to help every single one of those guys? Well, I would say this. Um, if the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to help them, then yes, help them. If you're aware of a need that's out there, some family that, my goodness, they've lost their job. They've been unemployed for the past month and a half and they have no more food. If you're aware of it, you as a believer have the responsibility to help them out. You may not have the funds or the means to help them, but you being aware of it puts you in responsibility to do something about it, meaning reach out to somebody who can help them out. So if you know of a family that doesn't have anything, you can contact us, calvarygalveston at gmail.com. You can contact us through Facebook, send us a message. We don't have unlimited resources, but we do have resources and we can help out. The church especially right now, should be stepping up to help out in any way that they possibly can. And if we don't, if we turn our backs to people in this time, my goodness, what a disgrace, right? But if you're aware of somebody who needs help, our responsibility as believers is to come alongside those who need help. If there's widows who need help, we help out the widows. If there's orphans who need help, we help out the orphans. If there's people who are in need, the church's role is to come alongside them. Now, if you're at a stoplight and there's a guy holding up a sign and it's whatever that sign may say, that's up to you. If you feel like the, the Lord is saying, hey, help that person out, then help them out. If, the Lord, if you feel like, I don't feel like I should help them out right now, well, then, then don't help them out and be okay with that. And be okay, there's no guilt in that. You shouldn't be, feel guilty for that. I've had many occasions where I've chosen to help them out and sometimes that help has been well-received, and other times it was not all that well-received because, honestly, they didn't really want a free meal and a drink and a huge bottle of water. And I'm like, listen, this is what I have. If you really want help, this is this is what I have. to. Get. I don't have cash. I don't carry cash on me, okay? There you go. In case you want to, like, hold me up or anything, like, I don't carry cash on me, okay? I just don't. Um, so there you go. Find somebody else. Actually, just don't break the law. How's that? Okay, don't do that, all right? But... If we help out however we can help out, just be led by the Spirit. The Spirit's really good at touching, tagging on your heart or tugging on your heart, so to speak, and saying, listen, see that person? Go help them out. Go buy them a meal. Go buy them some Taco Bell or something like that. Just be sensitive to the Spirit. You know, just just have eyes open to see who the poor are and, and who really needs to be helped. But I would hope that our heart is and is eager to help out, especially in these tough times where you might be facing financial crisis as well. I can tell you this, uh, you can absolutely trust in the Lord to be there for you. He, can, he will absolutely be there for you. What does that mean? How does that look? I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how that looks for you. I know that there's been times in our lives, my family's life, where it's been like, Lord, if you don't show up and do something, I don't know what's gonna happen. And miraculously, he knows how to show up, unfortunately, at the midnight hour, so to speak, at the last second and say, hey, oh, look, you're not forgotten. I got you, I got you. So with that in mind, Paul lays down his credentials and everything's good. I'm an apostle, commissioned by Jesus, recognized by the other leaders of the church. My message is the same message that they're delivering. It's cool. We're good, right? And then Peter shows up to Antioch and we got an issue. We got, some, we got an issue within the church. And listen, I, I'm gonna tell you this right now. There are some fights in a church that are willing to be had, okay? Nobody likes church fighting, but there are sometimes issues within the church that we absolutely will have to stand up for. And Paul finds himself in that position in Antioch. Verse 11, it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Now you need to understand the the what's really happening there. That's not like a hey, I'm going to pull Peter aside in another room and say Peter, you listen, buddy, um let me share some verses with you. Uh we're going to pray first. We're going to pray first and I'm going to share some verses with you. Uh and, and then I'm going to, you know, uh Kind of in a a roundabout way, I'm going to beat around the bush a little bit and and let you know that what you're doing is wrong. That's not what he did. He got in Peter's face. Now, I don't encourage this. Now, you shouldn't just get in people's faces, but this is the apostle Paul we're talking about. And this is Peter, the apostle as well, who's a tough dude. And if anybody can take somebody getting in his face, Peter's a guy who can do it. Paul opposed him to his face for what he did was very wrong. So what did this great pillar of faith do that was so wrong that another apostle had to call him out in front of everybody? Verse 12, it says, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers. Now, please note that it's Gentile believers, same family. Because in Christ, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no American, there's no African, There's none of that nonsense. It's all one family. He says, these Gentile believers, he had no problem. He showed up in the school cafeteria. He had no problem sitting at the table with the Gentiles. So if you understand what I'm saying, uh, most of us probably were public schooled, and you understand the lunchroom dynamic, right? Cool kids table and the other kids table, okay? And you hoped you somewhere either fell on the cool kids table or somewhere kind of in the middle, right? Well, in this church world, it's the Jews and it's the Gentiles. When these supposedly important people weren't around, Peter had no problem sitting with the Gentiles, and that's what Paul's saying. He's like, when he first, when you first he first showed up, he was he was eating with the Gentile believers, and and for them to eat with Gentile believers before Christ would be they would be making themselves unclean because Jews couldn't eat with Gentiles because breaking bread with somebody else who's not a Jew would be, you're defiling yourself. But they're not under the law anymore. So Peter's got no problem sitting with these guys and breaking bread with these guys. These Gentile believers were not circumcised. None of them were circumcised, just like Titus. None of these guys were circumcised. And Peter was okay with Titus not being circumcised. But afterward, When some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So there's the problem. And that problem is called hypocrisy. It's two-faced is what it is. Here's Peter. When these important guys, quote unquote, aren't around, he's hanging out with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised they're eating bar pulled pork barbecue, extra bacon, all that good stuff. I mean, they're just living it up, right? No issues. Like, you know, the dairy and all that stuff's on the table at the same time. I mean, living it up, living the dream. Then when the important religious people show up, Peter can't be seen with these other guys. He can't be seen. With, I mean, he can't even be caught dead sitting at that table. He's got to be over here with this table. Why? Because he was afraid of their criticism. He was afraid of their criticism. Peter, the most, at this time, like the most influential guy in the church. And he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. Biggest complaint against the church, right? I don't go to church because people are nothing but hypocrites. Well, yeah, we are. Guilty. At times, guilty. Yeah, for sure. So was Peter. So was Peter. Does that make it right? No, not at all. And if, if that's an element of my life, then I should repent of that because it's sin. And Peter, and he, we we know he. this would be addressed later on, he would repent of this for sure. But Paul's like, he's going to call him out on it. He goes on to say that As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter's act of hypocrisy led other people astray. There's the danger. Listen, be who you are, okay? Be who you are. It might be a messed up individual, the Lord work on you and all that good stuff, okay? But the, the church needs less fakers, The church needs less posers right now, right? Do you have it all together? No, you don't. Nobody's expecting you to have it all together. The only person who's probably expecting you to have it all together is yourself and you're lying to yourself, okay? So you trust the Lord. He's working on you. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We'll be perfected in heaven, okay? That day will come. But until then, you know what? Just treat people like people, with dignity and respect as if they're created in the image of God, because guess what, they are. They are. Whether they're circumcised or not, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Whether they agree with you or not, it does not matter. It doesn't. They're made in the image of God. You should treat people with respect. Even if they're not a believer, you should treat people with love and respect. It's just how it is. It's how it is. Peter is, man, he's just like, one day he's sitting with the Gentiles, the next day these other guys show up and he's like, he's just, he's just stonewalling these guys. Like he can't even have anything to do with them. And Paul gets in his face, he calls him out on it because what Peter was doing was damaging to the church. His actions were damaging to the church. He was leading people astray. That's a good lesson for all of us to be aware of your actions can either lead people closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus. Now let that resonate within your heart for a second. Your actions can, so if you choose like, well, I won't associate with these people because they're not like me. Well, who are you leading down that same path? Or you might say, you know what? I've been saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ, and he's called me on a mission to love people So I'm not gonna exclude anybody from my life. I will sit down at whatever table in the cafeteria and hang out with whoever I need to that the Lord puts in my place. You want people to follow that example, okay? Paul goes on to to let these guys know, verse 14. He says when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel that's again they're not even obeying the own the the true gospel message through their life through their actions they're not, they're not being obedient to what the gospel actually is that God so loved the world and everybody included within the world both past present and future regardless on even regardless hold hold, hold on tight even regardless of their political standpoint oh my goodness wait God loves those people? Yeah, he does. He does. You pick, you pick the side and he loves those people on the opposite side of you, right? He loves them. Okay. I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you, but God loves you. All right. That's, that's part of the, that's the heart of the gospel message that he loved us so much that he would come and die for us. So they were not following the truth of the gospel message. He said, "I said to Peter in front of everybody else." So here you go. Here's the schoolroom cafeteria cafeteria scenario. Paul calls out Peter in front of everybody, in front of everybody, and says, uh, "Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, Peter, you're eating that bacon cheeseburger yesterday. What? Now you're a Jew?" Now you're, what, you follow the law now, but yesterday you were free from it, but today, what, you're you're under it again? He says, you, you're living like a Gentile. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? Paul or Peter, why are you hanging out with these guys who say the, all these guys have to be circumcised? And it's not that Peter couldn't hang out with these guys, but Peter was being influenced by these guys. And these guys, their message was all these other losers, kinda, if you're not circumcised, then you're not right with God. And that's a lie. He goes on to say, you and I are are Jews by birth, not quote unquote, you need to understand that within that text, okay? Because it says, not sinners like the Gentiles, because that's not an offensive thing. He's using quotations there saying like, you and I were born Jews, not sinners like these other guys. Yet we know that a person is made right with God or is justified by God, by faith in Jesus Christ, not, not by obeying the law. Should we obey the law? Yes. And let me tell you, it is wrong to murder somebody, okay? Okay. I hope that's not a news flash. I hope that's not the first time you've heard this, but it's wrong to commit murder. It is wrong to steal. It is wrong to lie. It is wrong to, it. those things are good rules to have in place, especially for a society. We need these things. But the law is not gonna get you to heaven. The law will never get you to heaven. The only purpose of the law was to show you that you are a sinner and your only hope for heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's it. He says, we're not made right with God through the law. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus. And we have believed in Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. He is telling this verbatim to Peter. He's calling out Peter and he's he's saying, listen, Peter, you know as well as I do, the only way, the only way is through Jesus. And it's not through the law. And what you're doing through your actions is, is communicating to these Gentiles that it's, it's Jesus plus something else. And that's not right. Because you have turned your back on these Gentiles and you're associating with these guys and their behavior. And really, they're delivering a false gospel over here. Peter, you know better than that. You know better. It says not because we have obeyed the law, for none will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That it's try as you may, you're you're never going to be made righteous by obeying the law. You're just not. It's it's not going to happen. It says um, he goes on to say, suppose we we try to be made right with God through faith in Christ, uh, we seek to be made right with God through uh, faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. That would mean that Christ has led us to sin.
0: that's all we have time for today on bread for the broken pastor james has more to share from this study in the book of galatians so be sure to join him next time just because our time with you is over for today though it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying god's word we encourage you to pick up your own bible and dive in wherever god leads you Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the Ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated and you can donate securely through our website breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you men, who I love and give